Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of adenomyosis found under the gynecology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 43-year-old woman who is gravita 3, para 2, and aborta 1 presents with increasing, worsening pain with menses, along with progressively heavier menstrual bleeding. Pelvic exam reveals a diffusely enlarged, tender, and boggy uterus. Serum beta-HCG is negative. Transvaginal ultrasound demonstrates an enlarged uterus with a thickened posterior myometrium. Let's continue with an introduction to adenomyosis. Remember that this refers to invasion of the endometrial glands into the uterine myometrium. And with regards to epidemiology, this tends to occur in women between ages 35 and 50. The pathogenesis is currently unknown. However, conditions associated include other uterine diseases such as leiomyomas and endometriosis. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms may include dysmenorrhea, menorrhagia, and chronic pelvic pain. And on exam, the uterus will be uniformly smooth, large, soft, globular, boggy, and tender. In terms of further imaging, sonogram has a sensitivity of 72% and specificity of 81%. An MRI, which is T2-weighted, has a sensitivity of 77% and specificity of 89%. This is best used when trying to exclude malignant neoplasia. Remember that both sonogram and MRI may demonstrate a diffusely enlarged uterus with some cystic areas within the myometrium. In terms of further studies, remember that the initial test to order in a patient with an enlarged uterus is a beta-HCG. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about leiomyomas, pregnancy, and endometrial polyps. And in terms of the diagnosis, remember that this is based on clinical history and exam, and the definitive diagnosis requires hysterectomy and histology. With regards to treatment, remember that symptomatic treatment for dysmenorrhea involves levonorgestrel-releasing intrauterine contraception or aromatase inhibitors, and when fertility is no longer needed or there is failure of medical therapy, then one may perform a hysterectomy. And lastly, in terms of complications, remember that there is controversial evidence that links adenomyosis with infertility. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to adenomyosis, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 45-year-old G5P4105 presents to her gynecologist's office with six months of increasingly heavy periods. She now soaks one superabsorbent tampon every two hours for five days each cycle. Her cycles have also become irregular, with intermenstrual bleeding for the last two months. She now experiences significant dysmenorrhea, requiring 400 mg of ibuprofen every four hours for the majority of each menses. In addition, she reports new-onset mild dyspareunia and a heavy feeling in her pelvis. She has also noticed increased urinary frequency, but denies bowel changes. The patient has a past medical history of obesity and type 2 diabetes on metformin. Her last child was born four years ago, and she has had five spontaneous vaginal deliveries. At this office visit, temperature is 98.5 degrees Fahrenheit, or 36.9 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 137 over 84. Pulse is 87 beats per minute and respirations are 14 breaths per minute. Her lower abdomen is tender to palpation. Which of the following physical exam findings is most likely to be present in this patient? 
And the answer choices are choice one, recto uterine septum nodularity. Choice two, globular 10 week sized uterus. Choice three, adnexal mass. Choice four, irregular 14 week sized uterus. Or choice five, no remarkable physical exam finding. The best answer to this question is choice two, globular 10 week sized uterus. This patient most likely has adenomyosis, which is causing her dysmenorrhea, menorrhagia, dyspareunia, and urinary symptoms. Due to overgrowth of the endometrium into the myometrium, adenomyosis also often presents with a globular enlarged uterus, usually not exceeding 12 weeks in size. In this patient, many of her symptoms could be attributable to other disease processes. Endometriosis, for example, often causes dysmenorrhea, urinary symptoms, and dyspareunia. Fibroids often cause menorrhagia, irregular periods, and urinary symptoms as well. Endometrial hyperplasia, or carcinoma, may present with irregular bleeding. However, the constellation of this patient's symptoms does not fit into any of these three groups, and adenomyosis is the only condition that could explain all of her complaints. She is also the appropriate demographic. The classic patient with adenomyosis is a multiparous woman in her 40s. Diagnosis can be made by MRI or pelvic ultrasound, which can show irregularity of the myometrium, loss of a clear endomyometrial border, and thickening of the junctional zone greater than 12 millimeters. The junctional zone is the area of myometrium that forms a border with the endometrium. Pathology from hysterectomy specimen is technically the gold standard, but is not required for diagnosis. Hysterectomy is the most effective treatment, though levonorgestrel-releasing IUDs and GnRH analogs have also been shown to be helpful. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Recto-uterine septum nodularity is most commonly associated with endometriosis affecting the rectum. Patients usually note bowel symptoms such as constipation or pain with defecation in addition to the typical symptoms of endometriosis. Although this patient does have some of the classic endometriosis symptoms such as dysmenorrhea, dyspareunia, and urinary frequency, the fact that she does not have bowel symptoms makes it unlikely for her to have recto-uterine septum nodularity. Furthermore, her menorrhagia points more to adenomyosis as a diagnosis. Choice 3. An adnexal mass such as an endometrioma can occur with endometriosis in a patient with dysmenorrhea and dyspareunia. Endometriomas result from implantation of the endometrium on or in the ovary, with menstrual blood products building up each month. Symptoms may include unilateral lower quadrant pain with menstruation, and if the endometriomas become large enough, patients are at risk for torsion and rupture. They appear as chocolate cysts on laparoscopy and can be removed if symptomatic. Choice 4. An irregular 14-week sized uterus is suggestive of uterine fibroids. Fibroids can cause the uterus to feel more enlarged than adenomyosis typically does, and there are often discrete masses felt on exam rather than diffuse swelling. This patient's heavy bleeding, irregular periods, pelvic heaviness, and urinary symptoms could be consistent with fibroids with mass effect, but her dysmenorrhea, dyspareunia, and high parity suggest adenomyosis as a better diagnosis. Fibroids can be removed by abdominal or hysteroscopic myomectomy or hysterectomy if symptomatic. Choice 5. No exam finding is a possibility in patients with adenomyosis, and many times the diagnosis is made only pathologically at the time of hysterectomy.
However, given the extent of this patient's symptoms, it is unlikely for this to be the case. One might also not expect any physical exam findings for a patient with dysfunctional uterine bleeding who is suspected to have endometrial hyperplasia or carcinoma. This should be on the differential for this patient who is over 40, obese, and diabetic with abnormal menses, but her other symptoms suggest that there is another cause. If a clear diagnosis cannot be made after appropriate evaluation, endometrial biopsy is a reasonable option to rule out neoplastic change. Finally, a bullet summary. Adenomyosis is due to overgrowth of the endometrium into the myometrium and can present with menorrhagia, dysmenorrhea, and a diffusely enlarged uterus on exam. Diagnosis can be made on MRI or pelvic ultrasound, and hysterectomy is the most effective treatment. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 44-year-old G2P2 African-American woman presents to her gynecologist for dysmenorrhea. She reports that for the past few months, she has been having severe pain during her menses. She also endorses menstrual bleeding that has been heavier than usual. The patient reports that her cycles are regular and occur every 30 days, and she denies both dyspareunia and spotting between her periods. Her last menstrual period was about two weeks ago. In terms of her obstetric history, the patient had two uncomplicated pregnancies, and she had no difficulty becoming pregnant. She has never had an abnormal pap smear. Her past medical history is otherwise significant for hyperlipidemia and asthma. On physical exam, the patient's uterus is tender, soft, and enlarged to the size of a pregnant uterus at 10 weeks of gestation. She is non-tender during vaginal exam without cervical motion tenderness or adnexal masses. Her BMI is 24. A urine pregnancy test is negative. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis for this patient? And the answer choices are Choice 1 hyperplastic overgrowth of endometrial glands and stroma. Choice 2. Malignant invasion of endometrial cells into the uterine myometrium. Choice 3. Presence of endometrial glands and stroma in the uterine myometrium. Choice 4. Presence of endometrial glands and stroma outside of the uterus. Or choice 5. Benign smooth muscle tumor of the uterus. The best answer to this question is choice 3, presence of endometrial glands and stroma in the uterine myometrium. This patient is presenting with signs and symptoms of adenomyosis. Adenomyosis is characterized by the presence of endometrial glands and stroma in the uterine myometrium. Adenomyosis presents with dysmenorrhea, menorrhagia, and a tender, boggy, and enlarged uterus. The pathophysiology of adenomyosis is related to implantation of endometrial glands within the myometrium. In contrast, a leiomyoma presents with an enlarged, firm, and irregularly shaped uterus. This is an important differential diagnosis when working up adenomyosis. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Hyperplastic overgrowth of endometrial glands and stroma describes endometrial hyperplasia or an endometrial polyp. Whereas this patient is describing menorrhagia, endometrial hyperplasia and polyps would be more likely to present in a premenopausal patient with intermenstrual bleeding. Endometrial hyperplasia or polyps also would not explain this patient's dysmenorrhea or enlarged boggy uterus. Choice 2. Malignant invasion of endometrial cells into the uterine myometrium describes endometrial carcinoma. 
Endometrial carcinoma typically presents with abnormal uterine bleeding, but is more common in postmenopausal women. It also would not explain this patient's physical exam findings. Choice 4. Presence of endometrial glands and stroma outside of the uterus describes endometriosis. Patients with endometriosis classically present with rectovaginal tenderness, uterosacral ligament abnormalities such as nodularity or thickening, lateral displacement of the cervix, and possible adnexal enlargement due to an endometrioma. Choice 5. Benign smooth muscle tumor of the uterus describes a uterine leiomyoma or fibroid. Patients with fibroids typically present with an enlarged, irregularly shaped, non-tender uterus. Finally, a bullet summary. Adenomyosis is the presence of endometrial glands and stroma in the myometrium. That's all for this review about adenomyosis. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.